All right, welcome to the Coachability Podcast. This is Coach Kel. Unfortunately, Coach Neil cannot be here today, but we're still going to get a little bit smarter, a little bit stronger, a little bit richer today. With us today, we have Jason Marr, founder of Resilient Strength and Conditioning here in Carlsbad, California. All right, and of course, like all strength coaches, we're at the gym. He's been here from 6 a.m., probably going to be here till 9 p.m. You guys know how it goes. So as always, we start off with a rapid fire question of the day. Jason, your rapid fire question is, if you get one tool and one tool only for the rest of your life in the gym, what are you taking with you? Oh man, one tool. I'll take a hex bar. Man after my own heart. (laughs) I was thinking about this question earlier. I'm driving over and I was like, what should we go for the rapid fire question? And I think of this one and I answer myself hex bar. It's, it's because I just like to deadlift. Yeah. If I couldn't use it for anything else, I think you could find uses for it. But sure. if I could only deadlift, I love, I, I like that. Well, and then if you, I, I mean, we probably are on the similar wavelength here. If you only have one exercise to do, probably going to deadlift and carry that thing. Probably going to carry it. Yeah. <laughs> now, I saw a badass picture on your uh, Instagram the other day. You were deadlifting a decent amount there with some chains hanging off of it. That, that's for like reps. I think you're banging out like six to eight of those. It's Instagram. So it's like, who knows if it's real or not. They're inflated weights. <laughs> Good man. Thank you. That's kind. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm excited to dig in today. Um, you've got a lot to offer. You've got a cool come up story. So let's do it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, Jason. So to get started here, uh, I'm, I was informed that your start in strength and conditioning is, was not conventional. It wasn't college or, pardon let me even take it back, I have an interest in fitness training. Going into college, I'm going to do kines, and then I'm going to become a personal trainer or a strength and conditioning coach. Where did you start your career? Yeah, that's, that's a good place to start. Is, um, it's like, yeah, I, didn't, I played every sport growing up as a kid. Um, I didn't have talent in it. You know, I liked doing them, but okay. I wasn't talented. So I didn't go off and start a college career playing sports. And then when that was over, I didn't want the need to stay in the weight room. I didn't get hurt, right? And then learn everything about the injury. And then that lead me to it. And I didn't, um, it wasn't like I fell in love with iron in my basement when I was like seven years old. Sure. So like, it that was- rules out all those cliches. Stories, huh? <laughs> right, so unconventional, sure. Um, I actually, I, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. I went to school at the University of Massachusetts at Dartmouth, um, and I graduated with a marketing degree. Um, when I left school, I went right into a marketing and sales job. Uh, I ended up doing really, really well with it, um, just from pure effort. I wasn't more talented than anybody in the company. Um, it was just uh, I pushed harder than a lot of people wanted to, and that made me successful with it. I was making 300 phone calls a day. Um, I was constantly trying to get in touch with the best person, have good conversations. Um, This kind of leads us to later on, now that I'm in business for myself and I am selling all the time, I always thought like I'm not the best talker on the phone and I learned that uh, it's more about listening and now in sales is more about listening than actually talking. Yeah, it's not funny. So, but anyway, you know, I went into a corporate job right after college was there for about three years. I did really well with it, promoted a bunch of times inside that brief three-year period. And then I, I just 
I burnt out really quick. I hated going. I was calling in sick because I didn't want to go to work. Oh. Um, this is a 23, 24-year-old kid. I had no responsibilities, right? I had no long-term girlfriend. I had no major bills to pay other than paying off student loans. And it was time for a change, so I just picked up and left and, and moved to San Diego. Just like that? From Boston to San Diego. Slept in my car for about a week trying to look for a place to live. You had no friends out here or anything? No friends. Um, How'd you choose San Diego? Just curious. So I went, I did a semester abroad in Australia. Okay. My senior year of college. I loved it so much. Like actually when I got home, I, I experienced like severe culture shock. I oh, like couldn't really? handle living in, I got home in the middle of December in Boston. Coming, after being in Australia. After being in Australia, tropical weather. And I just, I literally experienced culture shock. That's like a real thing. And uh, I was like, I need to get out of here. I finished out school, you know, I made it through the summer and everything, but that Australia trip was always in my head. So I was like, okay, where can I go that's most like Australia? And it just happened to be San Diego. In my head it was San Diego anyways. Yes. It's not even really similar, but well, in my yeah. head it was. So I, I packed up, um, my buddy and I uh, loaded up a U-Haul, drove out here, slept in the U-Haul for a week, ended up finding a place in Ocean Beach. Okay. Lived that lifestyle for about nine months. <laughs> And that was all I could take down there. Sure. <laughs> so we started to slowly move up the coast to, uh, you know, first we went to Cardiff and then we went to Lucadia and now right, we right. landed in Carlsbad. Good places. And this is where I've got my family raised in, in Carlsbad. So we're here. But, um, you know, I came out and doing well with the, the sales job in Massachusetts, I, I banked away a lot of money as a young kid with no responsibilities. Nice. So when I came out, I didn't, I was kind of searching for what I wanted to do. Um, and I lived that ocean beach lifestyle. I was partying a lot, hanging out, literally not working. I didn't work for like nine months. Wow. I was still- at 23, 24 I was, uh, where was I? I was, at the time I was 27. Yeah. Um, and not working for nine months. I can't even imagine. Not work, and it was like, well, what am I gonna do? So my mor I went to the beach and I surfed. I came home, I took a nap. I went and grabbed the dog. I went down to the beach with the dog. I surfed in the evening, and then I went out and partied at night. And it was like that was the cycle for a nine-month period of time. Doesn't sound terrible. So <laughs> I, li I was living a lifestyle of making over 100K uh -huh. as a kid with no responsibilities, but there was no income backing that up. Sure. So that money it went out quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in Southern California, it's not a cheap place to live in, no. right? So. Um, when that money started to run dry, I was like, all right, I guess I gotta, I gotta figure this out. I gotta get a gig. And at this point, do you want to go start a career? Are you still like, I just wanna find something that's gonna pay, help pay the bills and I get to keep living the way I'm living? I, I was somewhere in the middle. Okay. It's a great question. I was like, you know, still searching to figure out what I want to do. Right. But I was also like, well, I've already started this. I've had success in the past in this, in this business environment. Like I should right. do that. I should get back on that train and just see if changing companies would make me But happier. you know you didn't like it. And I know I didn't like it, but I ended up taking another job. Right, so I ended up working for uh, Staples Business Division. Okay. So I was the guy that was like calling on small and mid-sized businesses, asking them what kind of paper they used in the office. So like I was Jim Helper. Okay. okay. Like okay. Michael yeah. Scott was like legitimately my boss, and um, so it was a combination of being <laughs> inside sales and outside sales. Okay. For the business division of Staples, hated it. 
found myself doing the same thing. I was like not showing up to work because I felt like I couldn't deal with the day. Like I was, I was over it. Um, so I ended up leaving that company. I went and worked for another company, same, doing sales. Um, this was even worse than pushing paper. Now I was pushing information technology service contracts for hardware and software yeah. to larger businesses. So now I'm in the enterprise area and I'm trying to talk to IT directors and CTOs and figuring out what kind of issues they have with their hardware and software and how can we help them fix it. It was like a, a gun to the head. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, but again, the money was fantastic. It was one of those things where you know, I'd grind it out, go into the office at nine, watch the clock the entire day, make great money, but then you know, be completely unfulfilled. Um, so that's when I started to think sooner it got to a stage it got to a place that was so bad where i was like i need to find something because i cannot do this anymore like deep depression going oh on. wow really um and i was like i think i was you know it was it was a lot of things that were leading to that it was the whole california lifestyle like you know i got bit by the beach bug early when i got here i wanted to be outside i wanted to be more social i wanted to be around people that were living a little bit you know, carefree. Yeah. You know, yeah. not that office lifestyle. It was brutal, and um, I was searching really hard. And then I can't remember what sparked it. It could have been a commercial on ESPN, or it could have been something. But I'm pretty sure it was something. It was like an NASM commercial or something like, you know, control your schedule. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. flexible, make a ton of money. And I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna That's be. It. I'm gonna be a personal trainer. Like I can control my schedule. I can work four hours a day, make tons of money, and then live at the beach the rest of the time. That was my goal. That's how I got into it. Okay. That's what sparked it. Right? And then did you go get the NASM certification? So this is, this is where things get really interesting. I, I'm still working the office job. Right. Now, I'm putting in zero effort because they gave me a salary that was big enough to float me. So set commission aside, if I didn't make commission for six months, I'd still had a decent salary that would have floated sure. me fine. Um, and it was a really loosely run company, so nobody was really on me to put in the effort. Yeah, yeah. I ended up getting the NASM textbook, and I'm going through and I'm studying it at work. So the computer's open and I'm supposed to be making sales calls and I'm actually studying the book. So I did that. Um, I'm taking off from lunch, um, reading the book at lunchtime, doing it. I'm trying to get this done as quickly as I can. And as I'm learning this stuff, I'm at lunch, I get in my car, I go up the street, sit under a tree, and I'm reading the book. And actually, I saw a bunch of people behind an office park, behind an office building, like doing like shuttle runs. Oh, really? And it intrigued me. I was like, I was like, what's this? Like, what's going on here? So I'm seeing people like hit tires with sledgehammers and I'm seeing them flip the tires. I'm seeing them running shuttles and I was like, that's interesting. Like I wanna do that. That's not like in this book, right. but that looks really cool. Right. So I, I made that like a regular occurrence. Like I'd go up there every lunch period, do my studying and take a look and see what was going on down here. I walked into the business one day and I'm fully buttoned up, right? I've got my slacks on, I've got my button shirt. Um, I walk in, it's a smaller gym, warehouse gym, performance gym, and um, the owner happens to be in there at the time. And I walk in and I'm kind of like blown away. I'm seeing cool stuff. They had like, you know, they had the turf, they had the squat racks, they had the whole thing that you'd see in a performance facility. And I start talking to the owner and uh, we sit down and I say, 
I hate my job. <laughs> okay. I need to get out of here. And I don't know what it is, what I, what I want to do, but I'm seeing this and this looks really cool to me. Um, and, and just by chance, it was really just by chance, me seeing this stuff happen from the car while I'm studying, going in and introducing myself and him going, you know, we're starting our first internship program next week. And, you know, it's, there's not a lot of structure to it, but we need some people to clean and you can shadow coaches and, you know, partake in the classes and this kind of thing. And I was like, I'm in. Like, just like that. Just like that, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Is it a full-time internship? What are we doing? Are you ditching the other job? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. So I was still 9 to 5 at the other job. Yeah. But for about a six-month period, I was up at 5, into the gym at 6 in the morning for their first class, you know, show up at 5.45, 5.30, start cleaning things up, start observing, jump in a workout with, uh, with the other coaches or, or team members who were there, shower up, head into the office. Usually late, usually like 9.30, I'm like strolling in. Because who cares at this point? And uh, I do the same thing at noon. I go back, my lunchtime, I'm there interning. After work, I wrap that up and I go back and I intern until 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. And I did that every Monday through Friday for like six months. To the point where you know I, I already got the personal trainer's certification. I've got this internship thing that I've been working on. Now it's time to make a decision. Like you know, what's the next move? Right. So um, I talked to a bunch of coaches there. They're saying you know maybe you should go get a job at a big box gym and start getting some reps. We don't have a spot for you here. So that's what I did. I went and I quit the I quit the IT company. And do and we do we have a, a girlfriend, fiance, anything at this point yet? <laughs> Hope my wife doesn't listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, my wife was in the picture very early on, though. Very, okay. very early on. So it's not like when you say, "Hey, I'm going to leave my steady-paying job to go do this." There's not that voice that's saying, "You're going to do what?" There's still no major commitment, okay. right? So like we're hanging out, and we may have even been living together at that point, but there, there was still like you know still early yeah, on, still and early. there wasn't any you know the kids weren't in the picture, marriage wasn't in the picture, none of okay. that. So. Um, she was like, she was super supportive. She was just like, do it, because she saw me miserable. Yeah, you know, she saw me hating life. Tough. You know, so I left the IT job, went and got a gig at Twenty uh, Four Hour Fitness. Okay, my first job in, in fitness. Okay, um, and they didn't give a shit what kind of certifications I had. They just loved that I was a sales guy, and they were like, yeah, yeah. sure, no, no problem, come on in, and, and I did really well there because I, I had did. the sales background. And I didn't know shit worth training. Yeah. I, I'm sure I did a million things wrong, but it was like, okay, where's your, give me your list of members. I'm gonna call every single one of them. The times that I'm not training, I'm gonna walk around the gym, I'm gonna introduce myself to everybody and start picking up clients. Yeah. And you know, I, I was on the floor there for like 20 hours a week. And then the other part of the week, the other 20 hours, I went and did, I did more internship. I did at the same place, the same performance gym. Just still just learning. Just learning. Yeah. Just unpaid, go in, help out with what I could with the cleaning and stuff. I had great mentors there. Um, they taught me a ton, like really talented coaches that took me in and, and, and taught me. Uh, it's critical. It, it's you so important. You have to important. have someone early on that helps. And that, that internship, those people that looked after me, gave me so much more experience outside of that textbook, outside of, I mean, put me next to any guy, any trainer at 24 hour that yeah. had been there for years. And it was like, I, I could blow them away right. with six months experience based on that internship. Yeah. Um, the stuff I was learning from these coaches. Um, 
so you know we did that for another like six month period and I'm not kidding you like you, you go from my first year as a, a personal trainer I went from making just over a hundred thousand dollars in that sales job Good. a year okay in the sales job in the sales job to I think I made I think I made twenty thousand dollars my first year of training okay that sounds about right around around that I thought you were gonna ju- like throw a massive number out but it was like okay I literally took an eighty thousand dollar pay cut that hurts but the happiness level was there like, so you just it's like a teeter-totter if you will there completely flip-flopped yeah completely flip-flopped and it was like you know I was getting by you know like I said California is not cheap to live in but right. we, were, we were getting enough by and I was happy yeah and that was key um, it, I did that 24-hour thing broke and happy yeah unbelievable just right? with impact so I do the 24-hour thing for like a six-month period um, and then once I started building relationships with clients at that gym, it was like time to like, okay, I'm going to make the move now because at this stage, like a year into volunteering time at this performance gym, I've got good relationships there too with, with head coaches and, and owners. And they're saying, Hey, if, if you've got business, bring them, you know, you can, you know, sell them whatever you're selling there and just train them here. It's like, perfect. That were, gets you, were you going to pay like a little rent at that spot? It wasn't. I was actually, um, I was an employee, but I brought all my own business to them. I got a little bit better cut. Yeah, nice. Um, but it was more that now I can train the people that I found in an environment that I want to be in. Because, I mean, I hated being at 24-hour fitness too. I kind of knew that it was a stepping stone. I kind of knew that that was a necessary area to get going and yeah. find people yeah. and, and, and cut my teeth and figure out what I was doing and just be exposed to that environment. Yeah, I want to jump in real quick. It's a, a lot of coaches want to bypass that phase, the six months of volunteering your time and getting paid pennies for that first year at 24 Hour Fitness, but you're gathering so much skill and knowledge at that point, it's absolutely critical. It's like it's, you're building the foundation of your business and your career. And if you quit looking at it as, I'm not making enough money and start looking at it as I'm getting a ton of experience, then it's very valuable. But a lot of people are like, but I need to make my six figures now. <laughs> You're like, well, you don't start any career and get that right off the jump. Well, that's what, it, you know, when it was like, oh, you know, flexible schedule, tons of money, like sign me up. And then when I get into it, I figure out like, no, yeah. <laughs> no. Like if you, if you want to be, you know, if you want to be broke, sure make your own schedule and do whatever you want but right. you know people are going to want to train when they're not working so you're starting early and you're finishing late and yeah. you're going to have kind of that double shift schedule every day um, and that's what I did but it, you know it was one of those things where I, I worked a job that I hated so much that you know the long days it was it, it was enjoyable I liked doing it I liked being around people I liked building relationships yeah. I liked having that impact hey, that's the thing when do you get to have that impact like I think even, uh, I've, I've spoken with a few doctors about this, even they get jealous because they help people after they're broken, but they're like, if I could prevent all the pain that I have to see, that'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And we get that ability. It, it, 100%. And the other thing that you, you talked about skipping over steps, I think you know everybody gets into this business wanting to be in sports performance yeah. and they bypass, like I don't, th- I don't think you, earn the right yet to touch an athlete. Like yeah. You better get some reps and figure out what you're doing. 
um, and then move on to that. And that's kind of that. That was kind of my path after that because I always had an interest in it. you know playing sports and everything. That was just a little bit more appealing to me. Right. Was having an impact with with young athletes, but all the all the reps I got with the general population before that was so valuable. Oh well, I mean, tell me this isn't the truth. If you can get a engineer that sits on his butt all day to move well, you can get an athlete to move well. That's a piece of cake. Easy. Right? Easy. And, and, you, and you see all these things that are wrong with people from the beginning and, and start to problem solve and start to work your way around things and, uh, and how to get comfortable with you know, referring them to other people and understanding yeah. the value of building a network and, and doing right by people. Right. You know? So it, it was that, that experience at 24 Hour was also another valuable experience. So I wouldn't change that. That should, should be a requirement. Like, as soon as you get out of school, go work at a big box gym for six months. Yeah. See what that's like. You know, it's this is something that I think a lot of strength coaches or just fitness fitness professionals think about is it's too easy to get into our profession. Maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing. But then I think that's why the turnover is so high is we don't have good support after that. So you were able to, with your sales background and you just being a hustler, able to keep yourself afloat in that first year but you don't have that grit and determination like you do or, or like interested in really changing and, and making a career out of it. That's why people fall flat and then, you know, see you later. So I'm seeing that now as a business owner, you know, going back and I didn't get the Kinesis degree. Right. I didn't get the exercise science stuff. So, you know, I went right into business school and that was actually, that was an accident, by the way. Like, oh, yeah? uh-oh, marketing, like that was me putting a blindfold on and just throwing a dart at the board and seeing like you know I did my first two years of college and then as a junior the advisor calls me and he's like hey listen you gotta pick something like what do you want to do <laughs> and it was like fuck I don't know yeah I guess I'll do marketing and and that was the path by by chance and I don't regret that um, although the strategies and tactics have changed you know since 2004 yes when I graduated but um, it also propelled me right into that corporate position right after college. And, uh, you know, being in meetings with mid-level managers and higher-level executives, understanding how to conduct yourself in a professional environment, how to dress, how to have those conversations, like those mid-level managers and executives are now my clients. Those are the parents of all the kids that we train. And having that experience, having those conversations is so valuable to what we do here. And and just how you frame things, how you have those conversations, that I I don't think a lot of trainers get that. No. If you go right into college, do do the kinesis, come out and be a trainer, I think there's a lot of business that you miss on. Mm hmm I, you know, one thing that we talk about a lot in the mentorships that we do is first conducting yourself like a professional. I see a lot of trainers that just finished their own workout, still sweaty, maybe a little stinky, throw on their shirt and then go train. You're like, well, what are you doing? While they eat out of the Tupperware in, yeah. f- in front of people. Like, we can't have it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe they're, they, with, a, hopefully they have a program and maybe if they do it's on their phone or a sheet of paper and stuff, you're like, you could be better. You could like the text out there. You could be better. You know, you're just being lazy. So, anyway, but I want to get back into your story. So we went 24. Then we've got some clients now at the place that you were interning. And then how long were you there? So, and that that performance facility that I kind of transitioned all my people to, that turned into 
you know, my home for the next seven years. Oh, wow. And just gradually coming up in that environment. So, um, you know, first bringing my people in, kind of being the, you know, the runt of the litter as far as the coaches in that building and kind of building my respect between them and showing them that I'm learning. And, and it was it was as much for the clients, it was about me getting the respect and, and earning my way up. Eventually becoming a program director there and helping managing the team of coaches. That was the position I was in before I decided to go and, and start my own business. But even, I mean, those guys that were in there that I'm, I'm still close friends with, I mean, it was like, I'm gonna let you shadow my one-on-one -on -one private training session with my professional athlete. And it was like, th that stuff is, it's so invaluable. And it was like, all right, so I got the, the personal trainer certification. I can go to my guy and go, hey, what's next? Well, you should go look at the corrective exercise thing. Okay, got it, what's next? Mm -hmm. Go do the USA weightlifting sport performance coach. Okay, got it, good. Go get your CSCS, got it. And it was like, they were leading me down yeah. this path. And, and just cutting out all the bullshit, right? It was giving me a way to get exposed to good information and then just being so driven at it that I had to go get it. Because it was like, all right, if I got into this business at 26, 27, I felt like I was way behind the eight ball. Sure. I was like, okay, these guys that are coming right out of school, they went right into it. They have so much more knowledge than me. If I'm not doing my continuing education every single day, I'm falling behind. And that was the mentality I had. And it, and it doesn't gone away. It's still there. It shifted a little bit since I own business now. Now I'm trying to learn a little bit more about yeah, business versus yeah. training. But when I first started, and it was like pick up every single textbook I could on training philosophy. It was every podcast I listened to was training. Every video that I watched or product was training. Like it was nonstop training all the time for you know seven years before I started to open up a business. Right. Um, so that was kind of what I think that's one of those things that I was just so driven to become good at it or, uh -huh. or get better at it. I don't know if a lot of people in this field have it. You know, it, it's it's picking up the right material, but it was it was getting led in the right way first. So yeah. I, I owe a ton of those guys. No, that, that, it's incredible to get around good people early in your career. It makes a huge difference. I like that they kind of streamlined your path and what credentials to go get and what would maybe give you the, the biggest impact quickest. Like the corrective exercise thing. I remember the first time I started seeing corrective exercise, it was like oh, three years into my career. And uh, I, I got a job at Exos for I don't know how I landed the position, but I get it. And then they start talking about doing a, you know, W's, Y's, and T's and stuff intra set. And I'm like, why? What are we trying to get a little uh, delt pump, or what are we doing? <laughs> you know, like I just didn't know. Yeah. And I, I mean, I remember not even knowing what a foam roller was, and then just breaking down what's going on soft tissue wise. So to not get uh, sucked into all the garbage and just have a streamlined path, phenomenal. Yeah, it, it was. They were just. They led me in the right direction. And then it was on me to just get it done. And that's kind of what brought me into sports performance. Was that, you know, once I started seeing the guys that they were training and be exposed to more high performance type stuff, getting, you know, going through the CSCS type stuff. That's when, at that time, that's where I kind of shifted. and was like, I want to do this more than general population one-on-one okay. -on -one training. And that's kind of where the shifting went from everything exercise related to performance related. At this point in time, did you yourself feel confident enough to work with 
athletes? I did because I was always working with young athletes. Okay. Like they would kind of give me like the younger guys. They weren't going to let me get sure. anywhere near their professionals, but the younger groups, the kids, I really enjoyed working with and I was able to start getting that going. Um, and then it was just, yeah, it went down that path of, okay, now I'm going to get in touch with, you know, all the books here on the wall. It's like super training. Yeah. And, and first off, yeah, whoever yeah, yeah. says that I read that cover to cover is full of shit. <laughs> like, it's a, but that's it, a pretty dense book. It, 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 and, but it's like, okay, once that door opened, it was like, okay, now we're getting serious. This is now, this is really interesting to me. And that's, yeah. and then another rabbit hole that we went down and started focusing all on that stuff. So, uh, Side note, you just you made me think of it because I think of, of Mike Boyle here a little bit with professional athletes and like the the first most critical thing that we want to do is do no harm, don't get them injured, and so keep things. Um, I'd say simple and sinister, if you will, compared to a youth athlete. Not that you want to hurt them or anything, but you can do a little bit more risky or aggressive stuff. Because first off, they're just more malleable, right? And they have room to grow and all that. So did were you experiencing this at that time in your career? It, it was more, for us, it was games okay. with those kids. You know? Just to keep them it excited just, into it. And I think, it, I, you know, it's slightly off topic, right? But I think that's so important because we're, we're going into a, an age where kids are not playing and parents just want them to have, you know, all this quote-unquote sports-specific training. And really all they need to do is go out and play some tag yeah. and scrape their knees and climb trees and jump fences and stuff like that. I think that's so important. No one's doing it. And now we're seeing all these kids hurt right. early. And I, can I can't remember that ever happening. Sure. You know? Played every sport imaginable nonstop as a kid and I was never hurt right. ever. But now I've got, you know, I, I think I had like a 11 year old tennis player that already had tendonitis. Really? And it's like, I think that happens when you're you know, you're a kid and your parents require you to play. Was it like elbows and knees? Yeah, elbows, yeah, yeah, elbows. And it, but it's like, you're, they're playing 15 hours of tennis every week. Yeah, you can't do that. So for, for us, especially now, what, I'm, what I've learned along the way is our development program, we teach everything in game format. So we do speed work with them. Uh, we do agility work with them, but it's all, it's all game. Sure. You know, so we don't get really, we don't get crazy about mechanics and stuff until I see them in ninth grade, and then, okay. we'll, and then we'll start working it. That's you know our older group will we'll drill a little bit more, but for our younger kids, I'm like, let's go play. Yeah, and I have no problem telling parents that when they sit here, because it's it, they need to hear it, and they're not hearing it. They're just yeah, and, sports and specific. They, sports they're specific. doing the best they can, right? They they just want to give their their kids the best coaching possible, and, and, so. they, and they're just not informed. Yeah, and, and there's a guy down the street that's going to give them they're going to give them the sports specific training if they ask for yeah. it. And that's just, that's, that's not us. We try and do our best job to educate them and say, this is what they need right now. And this is what we're going to give them. Sure. So, and you give me a few years, we can get into that. Yep. That's cool. Yep. Uh, so, okay. So take me back because you've been with this other company six, seven years, and then we're saying it's time to go out on our own. Yes. Um, very hard decision for me to make. I imagine. Um, I made a lot of great relationships within uh -huh. that company. Uh -huh. A lot of people that I'm still very close with. Um, struggled with loyalty issues for a long time. I'm going to leave oh. and I'm going to go do my own thing. And yeah. this is going to ruin maybe some friendships. Uh, was it poorly received by some? 
Yes, but I understand it now. Okay. As a business owner, I understand why. Okay. Um, at the time, I didn't. As a, as a coach leaving and having that mindset of, I built these relationships, I found these people, I'm gonna go in their mind. That was the mindset as a, as a coach. Now as a business owner, I understand, I, sure. I understand. But nonetheless, it's still a relationship business. So you kind of have to expect that to happen at some point. For me, it was, um, I started to have a young family. Okay, so my first daughter was one when I decided to leave. Oh, wow. Whoa, oh, geez. Okay, I got my first one on the way right now. <laughs> so if I told my wife that, hey, I think I'm gonna go start my own gym, she'd be like, the hell you are. <laughs> you know? Here, it wasn't that risky, okay? okay? So it wasn't that risky because I had great relationships. I knew that I was gonna start off with a good book of business. Okay. And I also was starting subleasing space from somebody else. So I wasn't taking on a ton of overhead and assuming a ton of risk with equipment and, and coming out of pocket with God knows how much money to start a business. It was more like, hey, I'm gonna move down the street over here and I'm gonna instantly be paid more because I'm running my own show. Did you have to buy all the equipment? Zero, zero. So when I left, I set up agreement with a facility down the street so it wasn't a far change. Like it wasn't like I was moving 10 miles away. Right. It was literally, I was moving a mile. Um, and I was saying to all my people, like I'm gonna go set up shop here. Um, I've, I've got an incredible sublease deal. Yeah. The place was beautiful. It was a 20,000 square foot facility. Um, there was 40 yards of indoor turf. Nice. There was six collegiate squat racks, Vertimaxes, all the toys that you wanted. It had everything, and I was paying a small rent. Like, literally, like... Uh, how'd you work that like, deal? That's, the sales came back, huh? <laughs> literally going home and being like, this is not real life. Yeah. Like, this isn't real. This shouldn't, this, like, this can't be happening. Shouldn't be that easy. It shouldn't be that easy. And, which leads us down another road and a learning experience of, you know, if you're going to start doing these things, ask the right questions. Oh, man. Which I didn't. So I was so excited to be out on my own and move on and start the new chapter of our lives, yeah, start yeah. providing a better life for my kids. Sure. That what are you doing right now? Are you doing pay per session? Are you doing uh, train with me for a month at a certain rate? I don't know, maybe it costs like two, three hundred bucks a month. You get to come unlimited. Uh, th at this stage of the game, when I left, I was still doing a lot of one on one personal training. So okay. it was still by the session. Okay. And I've changed that model at this point. Yeah. But when I left, it was still, you know, but, but having done, you know, going back to the 24 hour thing, I mean, you had to go monthly to your fitness manager and uh -huh. say, this is my forecast for the month. Right. So I got in coming from sales anyways, I knew how to kind of gather that those numbers up and figure out like I knew like as soon as I leave, even if I pay this guy my monthly rent to sublease, yeah. I know that we're going to take home this big chunk right, of money right. monthly and at the rate people were going through sessions and it was like it's a no-brainer it's really important for people to do again uh, just to take a second and preach to the young trainers out there like understand that you're running a business on top of everything that's great that you want to have impact and coach people and, and teach them new exercises but like you just said Jason to forecast your business for the month set monthly schedules with people it's critically important if you want to make this a career and you have to think too at, at this stage 
a lot different for me than a, a guy that's just coming out of college. I had some big responsibilities at this point. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. all the decisions I made before this, I didn't have anything going on. Right. Like, you know, I had a month to month apartment. I had a dog, that's it. Yeah. Like there was no there's no responsibilities. Now yeah, making this decision, it's like I got a mortgage to pay. You know, we bought a house in Carlsbad. Oh good for you guys. I got the my daughter. Nice. Um, and my wife. And I'm like we need to do better as a family, so that's why I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no room for failure. Like, I can't let this blow up. So I do all the numbers, and I put it together, and it's a no-brainer. It's like instantly overnight, I'm going to make three times as much as I was making. So we leave. We And, 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 I, and I try and not make it personal. This is a business decision for my family. I've got to look out for them. They're my number one obligation, and we had to do it. Um, Money was really tight. Like I was fulfilled. I was satisfied with the old job, but yeah. money was tight. And yeah. you know, coming up on you know the time thirty-five years old and going, can I do this for the next five years? And can we make? Can we get by? And I don't think we could have. So we made the decision. We made the leap. Um, I made the sublease deal. Transitioned instantly. Um, like I said, overnight, instant success there really nothing changed. The environment changed. The gym changed. It sounds like it was a great gym, though. Might have even upgraded. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It was, unbe it was an upgrade. It was. I mean, outside of the people, like, I really enjoyed being around yeah. other great coaches and, and people that I really liked. That was the piece that I missed. Yeah. But, I mean, better gym, better money, running my own business, how, doing things yeah. how I want to do Twist it. Twist my arm. Let's go. Being responsible for myself, and that's it. It was like, great. Now, what I didn't do is I didn't ask how long was left on his lease. Uh-oh. So oh, no. we start the business, and nine months later, I'm nine months in, and things are going great. The business is actually growing quite a bit, so now I'm starting to branch off into like doing group stuff. How are you getting new clients in? Is it all word of mouth? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's no paid advertisement. There's yeah. just... You're doing a good job and people no are telling SEO everybody. optimization I didn't have a website there was no website yeah there's nothing there there was an Instagram account yeah I don't even think I had a Facebook account it was just it was just me and my book of business that I built and the referrals and friends I mean, that they were bringing nothing stronger than word of mouth right especially in this game so uh, I'll remember the date forever it's uh, it's January 4th we come back from the New Year's break and the guy that I'm subleasing from says, hey, I just want to give you a 30-day notice. You have to be out of the building in 30 days. 30 days. Thanks, guy. Because we're done here. Um, there, and there was a lot of moving pieces. There was an investor involved whose name was on the lease. He put a, a million and a half into the facility to build it out. They were going to be a combine facility. Okay. Okay. So they were going to do most of their business January, February. And the coach basically sold the investor on this is this model is going to work. So the investor was on the hook for everything. He put 1.5 mil into building it out. It was his name on the lease. They were profitable two months out of five years. Oh man. Okay. So I didn't ask the question. When is the lease up? So I get the I get the note in January. You got to be out in 30 days. Freak out mode happens. Um, <laughs> I've got a shit ton of people that followed me and yeah. trusted me and, and thought I was going to do right by them. I had my wife 
eight months pregnant with our second child. Oh God. I've got mortgage I gotta pay. And you, you can't go back to the other place. Temporary bridge burned. Yeah. Can't go back. I've got one of my oldest tenured clients that is like a West Coast grandmother to us, watches my kids, has supported me for over seven years, falls and breaks her hip in that facility, mm. trips over her own feet, getting water, breaks her hip. Tell me they got insurance and everything. I did. I mean, I had my own personality, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, liability so insurance, fun, yeah. but she walks over to get a drink, trips, falls down, breaks her hip. I've got her picked up in my car, in the front seat of my car. I'm off to the hospital with her, emergency room for like six hours, thinking about how am I gonna feed my family, how am I gonna yeah. pay my mortgage. This is all the same day? This is all within a week. Oh, good, great. Most stressful time in my life. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out what the fuck am I gonna do with all this coming together at once. So what, what happened to be a 30-day notice actually turned into a four-day notice. Oh, great. So people come in, they start taking equipment out, right? The, the investor's gonna liquidate all the equipment, so he's pulling that out. We've got bobcats coming in, ripping out the turf. I've gotta cancel training sessions because there's too much exhaust in the building. Oh my goodness. Trying to figure out what am I gonna do with all these people. It, this is like, <laughs> I'm looking back on it going, well that was a small speed bump, but it was like, at the time it was like catastrophic. Yeah, yeah. Um, the amount of stress was just, I can't believe we made it through it looking back at it. So I'm trying to figure out what am I gonna do with everything. Uh, I go around and I, I start making a list of every single gym in Carlsbad. Go around, introduce myself to every owner of a gym, small training gym in Carlsbad. I either offer to sublease space or offer to take over a lease if they want to get out of it. No luck on any of them. Uh, I, I was looking at CrossFits because yeah. I was like, okay, so they're yeah, going to... that's what I, I would think as well. You know, like they're going to be busy at peak times, but they've got nothing going on during the rest of the day. Maybe I can push everybody into those hours. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't find a solution. Really? The problem in Carlsbad, and this is another thing for young coaches to think about if they're going to start a business, is going through all the proper permitting issues. Carlsbad is extremely hard to work with as far as getting the right usage for a gym. So... Oh, Wow you need to get what's basically called a conditional use permit and they need to come out and they need to do parking studies and sewer studies and you know look at the location do all this yeah, nonsense yeah. it costs you about 10 15 grand to do it costs you 6 to 9 months of a process to get it all ironed out with so even though i'm talking to landlords they don't want to go through that process with you sure you know they don't want to take their building off the market for nine months yeah, and no. then have you not even be able to get the permit let alone if you don't get the permit now you're out six to nine months in rent that you paid for and didn't even get it right right so so you're toast so that that option was out and then it was like all right well i was like you know i gotta get outside the box here start thinking a little better because gyms aren't going to work which brings me to where we are now I, I met uh, this gentleman named Alex Higley. He owns an MMA gym. Met him years ago. He was subleasing space at the original gym that I was working at. How the about performance it? facility, right? And it was like, thinking back like, man, th thankfully I was, I was nice to him. <laughs> you know, I wasn't a dick. And, and when I sat down in his office and explained what was going on, he was like, hey, you know, good timing, 
I had a full-size boxing ring on that side of the warehouse that I just took down, and if you want to use that space, go for it. So I worked out another sublease deal. Um, he had medicine balls, he had kettlebells, he had battle ropes. So, you know, we made do and, and did, you know, metabolic circuits for a month, but, you know, he allowed me to order turf and I ordered squat racks and I branded the gym a little bit and he basically gave me half his gym um, on great. a sublease deal. Saved the business. And I was able to finish that up in like, I think the transition period was like a, a week. That's so fast. Of, of getting that done. But it's it's almost one of those things like when when your back's against the wall yeah. and you're pushed and you've got like a family riding on it, like yeah. you'll figure it out. You'll, yeah. you'll figure out the way. Um, so that's kind of, you know, where we're at right before this move. And, you know, when we met at our grand opening party, yeah. this is kind of like our first real identity of our own. Like this is, we've got our own lease. We've got full control over the building. I know exactly what's going on. You know, now we're in a place, but because of the martial arts gym, if he didn't let us in and welcome us, I don't know where the business would be. Dude. I've had I had people in the group program, in the adult program, like being like, Jay, like, we're with you because of you. And if we need to work out in a fucking parking lot, we'll do it. Oh, like, how nice we'll is that? We'll figure it out. So having that kind of support through the whole process was like what made everything. And that, right. and that just goes back to relationships. Like yeah. these people saw what was happening. They saw the trouble that was going on and they were above supportive, like can't even imagine. And same thing here, when we started the construction and had to work out in a mess for a two month period of time and new equipment was coming in, there were boxes all around and all this stuff. No like complaints. They stuck with it and, and now we have a a beautiful gym that I'm very proud of and just a, a big process along the way so I think my my takeaway for the for the young coach that wants to to do their you know start a gym they've got to get the reps first they got to figure out if this is something they even want to do and then I would recommend going that sublease option just asking the right questions making sure it's a good deal but you know you can you can start your business without a lot of overhead and then and then build it from there yeah. versus going out and getting a 5,000 square foot building, 80 grand in equipment, and right. trying to make it work, starting out behind the eight ball, you know? No, that's great, and, I, and I, again, that's kind of putting the, uh, the cart before the horse, so to speak, is people are always anxious to go in and have that beautiful facility. Like, you might have to throw around some medicine balls and battle ropes in the dust for a bit. And, and made it work, it. you yeah. know, made it work. And, and build good relationships. Be, yeah. you know, be good at what you do and, and the people will support you. Man, and you never know who you know, huh? How never about know. That? You, you go back and it's like, okay, so I met, I met uh, Alex five years ago and he was just, you know, while everybody in the gym was like, who's this guy? He's doing some funky thing with these bags over here. And it was like, all right, I was nice to him. And that just comes right back. Wow. It was like, and even now, I mean, we have our gym because of him. I mean, he was in a position where he was like, hey, I want to downsize a little bit. Yeah. How would you feel about putting up a wall and taking half of our 5,600 square feet, making it your own? It's like, wait, I don't have to do the permitting. The landlord's already good. I've already got half the equipment. Like, 
yes, let's go. Yeah, that's great, man. Easy. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's really fun to hear the story after meeting you at the grand opening, and I, I just see a beautiful facility. I'm like, oh, it must be a cakewalk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much, huh? It's fun to relive now. Yeah, man. Good but. for you. So your demographic that you're working with, I see all these, these youth athletes behind you here, uh, these pictures on the wall. you got surfers, looks like lacrosse, skateboarders. Uh, how'd you come across all these athletes? So our main, I mean, we've done really well with high school female athletes. Okay. Um, I, think it's, I think it's got a lot to do with my personality as a coach and, 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 and just my coaching style. Of, of, uh, I think you I'm have little, two girls as well? I have two little girls. My whole life is run by women, I guess. Yeah. You know, <laughs> even in the gym, I can't get away from them. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm a bit more compassionate. Uh, I'm understanding. I'm not a big guy, so I don't, I don't have a big football personality. Sure. And I just I, I think um, just that style resonates with young females. And, you know, once they start talking and bringing their friends, it just kind of spreads. And now you've got full lacrosse teams in here. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's always been word of mouth. And, and the young females talk, I think, a little bit more than guys, so they just bring all their friends. Hey, that's a hell of a business model right there. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Um, do you have any like success stories or some athletes that you're proud of here that you might want to give a little love to? All, all of them. I mean, they're all they're all important. Uh, I've got if I turn around and look at some of the pictures, I've got uh, a girl that I started working with as a freshman in high school. She's now playing lacrosse at San Diego State. I've got uh, a potential world championship tour surfer that I've been working with since she was 10 years old. Oh, how great is that? One of the best feelings in the world. Did you, at 10 years old, do you know she was a badass? Like, she, did you see it? She, she was always looked at as being like really talented, uh -huh. you know, but I mean, she's 10, so you never know what's going to happen. And, and she's just, now that she's getting a little bit older and she's filling out and she's becoming more athletic, I mean, she's, she's a beast. Yeah. So and and she's you know she's got great deals with sponsors that are flying her all over the country, nice. all over the world to start surfing these things. And I'm looking at now like a, a future Olympian in skateboarding for the upcoming Summer Olympics. Awesome. I've got two girls that are still in high school that are probably going to go play in college someplace. And you get to, you know, you get to build these relationships. I'm looking at actually one of my best stories. Um, two girls here. Both went to La Costa Canyon High School playing lacrosse. Started working with them when they were freshmen. One went to play lacrosse at Cal. Okay. The other one went to play at West Point. Um, and they're going to graduate from college. And it's like I got to see them work through yeah, yeah, yeah. almost that, you know, oh, man, two generations great. of school, right? And those are the things where it's like, I've heard LCC's lacrosse team is the real deal. It is the real deal. Yeah, yeah it's the real deal. And girls and boys. Um, but, I mean, when they graduate from college and they invite you to weddings, yeah. and they come home and see you every break, and it's... Yeah, that's the stuff. That's man. what it's about. That's, more, that's the most important. How about the relationships. that? You could be in an office pulling your hair out, or you could be out here coaching, making an impact. And you still found a way to make a good living at it, too. That's, I mean, that's the goal. I think we lose so many good coaches because they struggle financially, you know? So you were able to kind of pair the two. You had that sales side, the business savvy, and then you went and learned the coaching, the X's and O's. It's good for you, man. It's a cool success story. I think you can do it both ways. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't you know? have to be like it's an inverse relationship. It's fine. Yeah, I think if you you know if you're a young coach coming out of college uh, in exercise science, you know, number one, I think get your reps coaching. Yeah. Make sure you're good at it, but don't be afraid to pick up a business book, you know, and go experience that big box gym. That big box gym taught me a lot. Yeah, it taught me a lot about how to go up to random people working out and how to introduce yourself and how to have conversations and, yeah. and look to see how you can serve them. Yeah. You know, with, you know, taking the, taking the financial piece out of the equation, just seeing how you can help somebody and how you can impact them. And that all comes back. That's all full circle. That's great, man. Hey, where can uh, people follow you? Check so, out what you're doing. So you can follow our website is resilient s and c.com. Okay. ResilientSNC.com. Can also find us on Instagram, resilient underscore S underscore and underscore C. <laughs> I might have right. to double check that. I'll, I'll tag you in, every, <laughs> in all of our posts. That's a classic coach. This hey, this is too funny. So we're just getting started in our in coachability and everything. And we're gonna have our first mentorship. And one guy checks out our Instagram page. We got like a hundred followers at this point in time. And he calls me to see if we're legit before he's like, you know, I, I see this mentorship. It sounds cool. Um, but you guys got like 100 followers. Is this legit? I'm like, yeah, man, we got 100 followers because our head's been in the gym. We're not out here on social media. <laughs> We've been coaching for the last decade. And then, you know, fun story. We checked in with him recently and he's like, I just did more business in the first quarter than I did all last year. And so, you know, you're like, yeah, it's not all about the following sometimes. As we said, 6 a.m. he gets in, you're leaving at 9 tonight. It, it makes me crazy. It makes me absolutely nuts because, like, I, I look at those numbers. Like, I know you shouldn't. Like, I know you shouldn't care about likes. Yeah. I know you shouldn't care about followers. Like, we get that, but there's still a piece of vanity to it, I think, for it doesn't matter, right? So, like, I've got, like, just over 1,300 followers on mm -hmm. Instagram, right? I like it because it's very active. I mean, the people that I have, we have good interactions, and, and a lot of business comes from that. But like, I see the the knucklehead down the street that's got five thousand, mm -hmm. and I'm like, man, his bullshit is getting <laughs> out to so many more yeah. people than mine, and it, it kind of makes me crazy. Yeah. Well, no, and and this is what gets me too: the people that don't have any of the credentials yet, but maybe they look good and they're posting stuff. And you're like, that's unethical at this point. It's the worst. Yeah. It is the worst. I used to, you know, I, I've changed my tune a little bit, but, you know, back maybe, say, five years ago or so, I was like, you know, the best strength coaches are all fat. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah. so why is that? And it's like, well, I think they care so much about other people that they're not caring about themselves. Yeah. We see that a lot in the business, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I've kind of changed a little bit on that. I mean, I, I think you, you've got to be able to demonstrate stuff. You've got to live. What you, you, you have to. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, my, my health's gone to shit a bunch of times because if I'm coaching 10, 12 hours a day, the last thing I want to do is exercise when I'm right. done. Like, I'm out of here. I'm going home. And you willfully take the sessions to help other people because you're like, that's what I care about. Those are my values. And mm -hmm. you're like, I'll get to me later. It's just what happens. Yep. And you know, now I'm hoping that with, with the growth of the business, I'm hoping I can start taking care of myself a little yeah. bit more. But it, yeah, it's still one of those things. I mean, we, you get into this, if, if, you got the, if you got the abs and the, the Tupperware chicken <laughs> and the sweat 
in front of your clients and stuff like that, like you're right, it's not gonna last. Like if you're fully in this about you and you can't take care of other people, just get out now. Go yeah. get a job that's gonna pay you and then spend two hours at the gym after work. Yeah, if that's your thing. If that, you know, yeah. it's nuts to me. Because yeah. yeah, what worked for you is probably not gonna work for this person. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned this. I, uh, I got to meet the strength and conditioning coach for the Chicago Cubs. I was really excited to meet him. I had no idea what he looked like. Like, just heard that at the wedding party I was going to, that he was going to be there, and I was going to be introduced. Excellent. I shake his hand. I'm like, this guy doesn't look like he's touched a barbell in years. Big bags under his eyes. Looks like he's just been just behind a laptop or reading books, just grinding. And uh, so I asked him about it. He's like, oh, dude, I'm too busy taking care of other people. And you, again, you could flip that any which way, but you could tell where that guy's uh, values were. It was on everyone else but him. And Chicago Cubs have done pretty well as of late. Yeah. So it was cool. I don't, I don't think it's an accident. Yeah. And I don't think it's... Uh, everything we do is, is for other people. Yeah. So it makes coaches good people at the same time. If Fun to want, hang out with. I think if you want to be successful in this business, that's kind of a little bit of a mentality you have to take for a while. I like it, bud. Hey... So we always finish with a song of the day. So you, just to kind of get to know our, our interviewees a little bit more, if you could take us out with a song of the day, either something that you like to just listen to on your drive home or something that gets you fired up for a workout, what do you got? Metallica. Okay. One. Okay. And deadlifts. Okay. <laughs> Metallica one and deadlifts. I love it, bud. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate it. A friendly reminder, post-certification, there is no guidance. We recognize that the first six months of employment, it's tough to pay the bills. That's why there's massive turnover in our industry. Coachability exists to provide that guidance with systems and strategies proven to increase your impact and income. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe at the bottom of the page so you can stay up to date on all current podcasts and mentorships. As always, stay coachable.